Welcome to the Bumblecast. I'm your host, Ian Flynn, the Bumble King, and joining me as always is my Bumble co-host, Kyle, JCRB Krause. We're back. Uh, this is a, a Friday, I think. Maybe. I nope. hope. Hopefully this is coming out on a Friday, which is odd, but hey, welcome. We needed to do some ketchup, so here and we some are. Mustard. Huh? And some mustard. Maybe a bit of relish. Oh, yes. Or yes. have some coleslaw. Uh, you can have that. I'll be fine with it. Well, I mean, you need something to mulch your garden with, don't you? Uh, I I guess. I don't... I, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> coleslaw isn't for consumption. That's just nasty. Okay, good. I was wondering about that. I'm like, I know you're a southern boy, but you like coleslaw? I'm even surprised. No. I don't even like coleslaw. No. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Not for me. Are you a fan? Defend yourself in the comments below. Drive the metrics for <laughs> Yes. Are you That's a fan? That's a controversial topic for the episode. Coleslaw. Are you... Evil or disgusting? You decide. Are you a fan of coleslaw? <laughs> Explain yourself so, in the comments why below. Why do you hate justice? <laughs> why are you an enemy of freedom and goodness and light? <laughs> and why are you not one of the patrons over at patreon.com slash bumblecast kofi.com slash bumblecast and one of our youtube members why not indeed push all those buttons and more let's go to someone who pushed one of those buttons now actually this one is from mel as someone who's been learning how to draw for comics the behind the scenes section in the sonic 30th anniversary deluxe book caught my attention it's mentioned that your scripts for seasons of chaos broke things down panel by panel and that got me wondering is this always how the scripts for sonic are formatted when handed off from a writer to artist, and how strictly do the artists adhere to it? I've heard of other IDW comics having a little back and forth between the team, but wasn't sure if Sega's approval process would prevent that sort of flexibility. There's no, like, 100% consistent way of doing it. Uh, sometimes there is time for a bit of back and forth between the artist and the writer. Sometimes there is not. Uh, sometimes approvals come along at a point where the artist needs to react directly to the approvals. There's no time for the writer to get involved. And while I believe my style and Evan's style and Danny's style and everyone else who's contributed are similar, we all have our own particular ways of formatting our scripts. Uh, there is no like universal way of doing it. And it can actually change between publisher to publisher. Like the Marvel method is famously its own kind. It's very different. So there is no like singular tried and true way to do it. Uh, I have been told by other artists that they like my way of doing it. Uh, they like my scripts, which is good to hear. And that so I don't really mess with that formula. I have a sample over on BumbleKing.com if you want one to download and practice with. And as you just said, you had the Adolix edition, so you can, I'm sure there's a sample in there as well that you can work from. All right. Uh, as, oh, go ahead. Uh, as I know, I was forgetting a point on it. As for folks, that also depends on the writer, the artist, the editor, the licensor, the time frame. There's a lot of factors. Personally, and I speak more specifically like how Adam and I are working on Drogoon, I have a particular vision for the most part but I am not the artist. What I see in my head may not actually work when it comes down to the page or Adam may have a better idea on how to work it out. So I am comfortable with him having some room to explore the page and render it in a way that he thinks works best. 
Now, if there is a situation where it's like, I really want to see it this way, or he comes up with something where I'm like, eh, it's not capturing what I was thinking. We, you know, we talk it out, we work it out, make it happen. But generally I figure I'm doing what I view as the easier side of the job, providing the direction and the words. I hold all the artists in much higher esteem. They are doing a great deal of work in a very short amount of time. So I think it's only right that they have some room for artistic expression. As long as the story itself is told, as long as the beats are portrayed, as long as it's coherent and the point gets across, it, I don't think it has to be you know exactly one-to-one because you can't have that unless I actually drew the book myself. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> Well, why not? Oh, God, no, Kyle. I I used to be a half-decent doodler to get the idea across. I haven't picked up a pencil in like a decade. Okay, fine. 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 What is the Marvel method? That's a question that I'm received on this end. I'm, I, I know people are like, some people are probably lost on that. Now, I could be wrong. It may have changed since I last learned of it. Like maybe they've shifted internally, but the Marvel method was more interpretive from my understanding where in my structure, it's page one panel one. The panel is this size with this setting from this camera angle with these characters saying this emoting this way and saying such and such panel two, and it go on and so on and so forth. Whereas the Marvel method would be more of a general guideline you know, a character does this and then they say this and then it's up to the artist to figure out how that flows and fits together, which is a very interesting way to do it. Uh, but I feel like personally, if I have a maybe it's because I have too clear of a vision most of the time for what I want. I can't take my hands off the steering wheel that much. Mm-hmm. All right. There's also another method where it's the artist who goes through and renders the story visual visually first. And then the writer goes through and makes sense of it. Yeah. Adding dialogue and caption to bring greater meaning to what's there. And that is a fascinating approach. I would like to try it at some point, but I don't know when I would have the time to do that or who I would be working with. Ah. Yeah, I just know that there's we we also obviously we have a lot of comic nerds in the audience who know what the Marvel method is, but you know, for everyone else yeah. out there who doesn't know, I figured you know, it'd be nice to clarify that a little bit. And it could be that I'm kind of rusty on that. And if I'm wrong, please correct me in the comments below. That's not bait. That's actually you know, tell me what I did wrong. <laughs> All right, here's one from Mendoza. In the Sonic world slash multiverse, for every possibility or impossibility, a world is it generated where that happens? Wouldn't there be limitations? I don't know, man. Whatever makes you happy. Wouldn't there be limitations? Would there be limitations? I don't know. It's fiction. I can. You don't have to limit anything. The only limit is yourself. It's like limit. Zombo. Your limit right here. It's like Zombocom. The only limit is yourself. You can do anything you want at Zombocom. Here's one from Morlis. If Eggman kidnapped Steve Urkel, how long would it take Urkel to either destroy everything or Eggman to drop him back off home in frustration? I don't know. How long does a standard episode run? Uh, It was like a 23-minute show, 22-minute show. Okay, so two minutes to set up the premise, two minutes for the denima. So about 18 minutes or so. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I was, I was going to say it was a boom episode, so it would be like more like 
11 minutes. Depends on which Eggman. Yeah, that's true. Who would who would be the one who would most likely kidnap Steve Urkel, though? I know which one would be the most entertaining. <laughs> that's Boom Eggman. Well, yeah. <laughs> he is the most entertaining Eggman out of all of them. But, I mean, do you think Mark the Tapir would be the one stealing Urkel? Although, <laughs> we did have classic Archie Robotnik create Urkelbot. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there was an Urkelbot in the show. So you have your 11-minute premise where <laughs> Eggman kidnaps Steve to begin with yeah. and loses him. And then the 11-minute sequel where he tries to improve upon it by making Urkelbot and then repeats the exact same scenario. <laughs> All right. It was Wol- Wolf Urkelbot. So it was Wolverine combined with Urkel. <laughs> Why? Yeah, it- As a robot? <laughs> I mean, it, it was a special time of the book. <laughs> you mean a great time. <laughs> That's the one with Sonic going, ha! <laughs> Why is he going, ha! In big red letters. Why is he doing that? I mean, what other noise one would make in that scenario, really? Ha! <laughs> also, it's funny to think about Sonic laughing at himself because, you know, voiced by the same person at that time. Oh, well. (laughs) All right. Did they even know that, actually, now that I think about it? Or did they just happen to make an Urkel reference because Urkel was popular at the time? Hmm. You know, I don't know. I wonder. Well, before my time. Yeah. (laughs) You have to wonder. (laughs) Were they actually... (laughs) Did they actually know? Hmm. Wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. All right. Here's one from Mixiger17. Can you think of any sort of past that Surgeon Kit would be genuinely disappointed to find out about having? Not in the sad way where they had no one and thought they didn't have anything left to lose. Or the funny way where Surge just tells Kit his life sucked, so nothing he thought before is going to matter. Or Surge was a Sonic fan and goes to find someone with a normal-sized forehead's ankle to bite and rage. But in in the, I guess, we were a lot happier, but God, we were losers type of way. This is skating that fine line of fan. I'm like, <laughs> you didn't have to ask. You didn't have to give that many examples of not of what not it was. I don't know. Well, if you don't want it in a sad way and you don't want it in a funny way, then what way is it? Just a bland way? This is like a depressing way. It's not the depressing well, way because that's the sad way. Like, like if it's just like a you know plain toast answer <laughs> then they were nobody in particular like no if tragic it, backstory no meaningful link to the main cast they were just you know <laughs> NP the forces background crew and there you go i think like this, not even like i think this question is really trying to get you to canonize their headcanon ian i don't know what their headcanon is exactly but it's not any of the things they've listed or maybe it is i don't know and see this is why i hesitate to actually answer the question of where did they come from because everyone's going to have their own particular desired answer yeah and once you canonize it it's only going to proceed to upset most people so i don't Mm -hmm. know where did they come from i don't know where did they go (laughs) where did they come from cotton eye joe where did they come from Hmm. well they came from the heads of the Sonic the Hedgehog IDW comics creators. I know that. That's where they came from. That's probably the worst origin of all. Just kidding. That's also where Tangle and Whisper came from. And they're great. Nate Ray has a question. 
Fun fact, hedgehogs can purr. It's not exactly the same sound as a cat, but the reasons are the same. So with that in mind, for pure funnies, how would Sonic, Amy, Silver, and Shadow react if someone caught them purring? Uh, Sonic would be a surprise, but kind of play it off. I mean, he's cool. He rolls with it. Uh, Amy is embarrassed because she, you know, doesn't like to tip her hand that much. She doesn't intend to wear her heart on her sleeve so much. Silver is just so thankful that, okay, that's a natural thing. He thought he had a heart murmur and (laughs) don't really have great health care in the future. He was just going to do what he could. But if that's just what something that he can do, okay, cool. That's a load off his mind. Thanks very much. Purr, purr, purr. Uh And Shadow looks you dead in the eye and says, you heard nothing. (laughs) You agree. Yep. Yep. You heard nothing. (laughs) I think that fits. I think that makes sense. Figured Sonic would go, uh, meow. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, maybe movie Sonic. Wait, movie Sonic already did that. Never mind. Omega King 99 has a question. So with a newly announced Sonic. Sonic... <laughs> Don't you do it. They actually wrote it out. You got to read it as oh, it's written. Oh, man. No, I refuse here. Then I'll fix it. Do, 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 nope, do, nope. Do, do, do. Done. No, Fixed no. it. <laughs> Fixed it. So with the newly announced Sonato Generations, there's one Sonic thing- Cross Shadow, damn you! <laughs> Sonic X Shadow? There's one thing Cross. I want... Huh? Whatever. <laughs> Sonic X, Sonic Cross. <laughs> Somebody should have told marketing this is their own fault. <laughs> Nobody said anything. And they went to print with it. They brought it on themselves. Nobody to blame but Sega's marketing department. Anyway, there's one thing I want a straight answer about. Okay, well, it seems like the Shadow Generations portion is being marketed as its own game that happens to be in a collection with Sonic Generations, even down to seemingly using the Frontiers game engine as a clear distinction. So with that in mind, is Shadow Generations a story that takes place during or around the events of Sonic Generations? Or is it actually a later story that just happens to have the same branding? I cannot talk about that. And you should know I can't talk about that. <laughs> I'm just going to have to wait and see what comes through the official channels. Yes. Although, or if they decide to play Koi, you'll just have to play the game yourself. I can't uh, spoil it. Uh-huh. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. Can't get a straight answer on this one. It's like Sega's marketing machine is dangerous. I'm playing with fire by making fun of them for making a ship named Cannon. <laughs> Here's one for Pedanticat. Amy puts her matchmaking skills to the test by helping make dating profiles for the following characters. Knuckles, Blaze, Jet, Surge, and Eggman. How difficult is making a profile for each of them and how successful do their pages become? I think you found a way to break her soul. Oh, no. Like, Knuckles is frustrating enough because, you know, he's genuinely a nice guy. He likes the outdoors. He takes care of himself. Those are all positives, but he's dense as a brick. He doesn't like to socialize. He doesn't go outside much, but he stays outside. That's the issue. He doesn't leave Mm -hmm. the outside. He isn't very good with small talk or long talk or personal interactions. It's kind of hard to get close to the guy. Okay, uh, move on. Blaze, uh, well, she's also kind of shy, kind of hard to approach. There's also that whole being a princess, so maybe she can't even date outside of her rank. 
is she actually creating some kind of political issue here? Okay, no, 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 no. Move on. She has to discuss this with her first. Jet. Okay, moving on. Moving Surge. On. Okay. Moving on. Eggman. Oh, God. <laughs> He's a devoted single father. And that's it. That's all she's got. It, she can't make this happen. She <laughs> wants people to find each other. She wants there to be more love in the world. But there's only one. There's only so much that one woman can do. Well, she's going to but- go help some Coco. <laughs> the easy solution is that uh, Amy just dates Blaze. There you go. Don't even have to worry about making up a profile for her. Just there you go. Fix that problem. <laughs> Fixed one of the five. Is that how many there were? Yeah. There you go. Pit Viper has a question. For Christmas, I received a copy of Sonic the Hedgehog, the official cookbook. To my surprise, you were credited as the author of the flavor text. Is there any behind the scenes info about the book's creation you can share? Have you tried to make anything in the book yourself? Uh, follow me on my Twitter and follow my website, bumbleking.com. I was telling everybody, go pick up the cookbook. And also, and li- know. also listen to this show. <laughs> we talked but about I'm glad it, you received but, it, but I hope you yes. enjoyed it. It's a very pretty book. Yes. I uh, don't know how much I can talk about behind the scenes stuff. I uh, did a lot of research on my end first to kind of get things moving with, you know, looking through a lot of the Sonic channel art, looking through a lot of the game stuff, trying to find, you know, the closest thing to official foods and then working from there. Some of them are not one-to-one. Some of them are more inspirational and some are just brand new to the book itself. Uh, We tried doing, I believe it was Whisper's muffin recipe and that's pretty good. And what I think I want to do with that one actually is because one of the things Sonic says in it is that, you know, this is kind of like a starting point. Feel free to experiment and see where you can go with any of these creations. And I want to take that and do it with corn uh, meal next time. Cause mm. they were very savory muffins, which is, is an interesting thing to begin with. But there's a, there's a barbecue place near here that does this really weird version of cornbread. That's absolutely delicious. <laughs> what? <laughs> Black doom. What are you doing? Sorry. The, Barely strange, ravenous part of me just kind of came out there for a second. Black Doom really uh, loves cornbread. <laughs> oh, man, this cornbread? <laughs> yeah, I'll eat a human populace just to get that cornbread. Watch <laughs> so would I. I mean, but just like uh, cornbread. I instead of using flour, use like the the cornmeal for that. And with that bit of cardamom and yeah, a little bit of extra butter on that. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, that's what it was. We made it. It wasn't in the recipe for the book itself, but we made our own cinnamon butter to go with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that very mild, very savory kind of cardamom muffin with the cinnamon butter. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> mm. Eat that by the loaf. Mm. Cornbread. I do love me some cornbread. I tell you what. Delicious. Delicious. And here's one from Professor Rye. Hey, Ian, why did you get randomly matched with me in Splatoon 1, accept my friend request and ruin my life? You know what you did. <laughs> this is some... You will pay the eternal price. This is your penance. <laughs> this is some deep lore. <laughs> also, my God, Splatoon 1. Uh-huh. It's been ages. Yeah, that is the deep lore. The deep, deep lore of Professor Rai's origin story. And now he's stuck forever. He can never leave. Here's one from Retsupe. Do you hate writing tales specifically? No. Are you sure? Yeah. I just kind of 
came out of left field. Uh, I mean, and do you hate babies? No. What? Why uh-huh. not? Why not? Do you hate writing tales specific? No. 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 Well, why not? Well, he's he's a good boy. He's a fun foil to Sonic. Dear Ian, why do you hate Sally? <laughs> Dear Ian, why do you hate Amy? <sighs> Dear Ian, how do you type with boxing gloves on your hands? <laughs> now you're just getting redonkulous. <laughs> Emphasis on donk. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> donk is just a funny word. Donk. It is. It very much is. Donk. Anyway, here's one from Rye. Not Professor Rye, just Rye. It's a different different Rye. This is R-H-Y-E. It is evident that Shadow has an aversion towards people, and in the last podcast, you said both Shadow and Lanolin don't like dates and use each other as an excuse to get out of them. Given this, would you say that Shadow is aromantic and or asexual? Do not take any of these shipping pairing scenarios as remotely legit. I'm humoring you people who are giving me money to spout nonsense. There's <laughs> like a crumb of foundational truthism to it as just like interpretation of the character, but it is n- do not take this as any kind of legitimate sanctioning or justification for any of these. Okay. It's just us being silly and that's not being bigoted anyway. That's me covering my ass. So I don't get in trouble for misrepresenting the brand that my entire career hinges on. <laughs> <laughs> like is shadow officially anything not that i'm aware of but personally speaking if you see him as that and it brings you comfort or strength then good on you i'm not going to argue with you about it yes this is the this is the show sega doesn't want you to know about this is the show i wish sega didn't know about <laughs> You and me both, buddy. You and me both. <laughs> Welcome to the Bumblecast, where we walk on eggshells every single question. <laughs> and amazingly, it's amazing we're even still here. Uh, all we know about Shadow is that he's the coolest. He said so, so we know it's true. Here's one from Sam Cybercat. If you guys were given free reign to write a knuckle-centric Sonic Boom episode with the title, Dude, Where's My Island? How would that go? I'm amazed that did not happen. <laughs> I mean, if there were a season three, it might have. <laughs> I mean, there was already a dude. Where's my Eggman with Orbot and Cubot? And that was one of the best ones. Yeah, uh, I guess it's kind of Knuckles floating in like a bathtub out in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> he has no idea how he got there, and he's also kind of impressed because this is a high quality porcelain bathtub. They don't have anything like that back on the island. Yeah, and it's just kind of him increasingly losing his grip as he tries to figure out which way to go back home. (laughs) And then how do you resolve it? Uh, It could be, it was a dream sequence where he slipped and fell in said bathtub. (laughs) Could be, he was messing around with tails experimental VR machine and just loaded up the boats, bare bones program for it. Or it was Eggman's experimental VR machine. Eggman's all cranky because his relaxing VR bubble bath has been ruined. (laughs) Now just full of virtual salt. Get out! (laughs) Or he finally finds, like, the on switch, and it turns out that it's not a bathtub. It's actually some kind of specialized motorboat that he stole from Tails' place for a joyride. 
and he comes back and manages to finish the motorboat race right before everybody else crosses the finish line. Oh, okay. <laughs> the bath is the island. <laughs> uh, good, good. I'm glad. Here's one from Scourge Time. Before we take a break, of course. While Sonic gives guitar lessons on his OnlyFans account, what would Scourge do for his fans? Also, what would Scourge's username be on social media? See, there's so many fun replies to this, but we're a family show, so I can't go there. <laughs> like, all sorts of funny, mean things I could say, but family show. Family show. Mm-hmm. Scourge is... I don't know. He also offers, he offers the same guitar lessons, but he says that they're better. <laughs> Screen named Sonic Sucks, I have receipts. That's a long name. <laughs> it wouldn't be something like Scourge Balls 69. Family show, Kyle. Family show. <laughs> what, what's wrong with that? 69 is just a number and balls are the things you play with. Okay, I'm, I'm, I need to take Kyle aside here and have a nice long talk with him. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more on the Bumble Get over here. <laughs> 69 is just the number between 68 and 70. What's wrong with that? We're back. Hey, 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 leave me alone. Get off me. Scurvy Pirate Dog has a question. February is the month of love. So, thanks to a magic MacGuffin, everyone who comes in contact with Landolin falls in love with her and gets a huge romantic crush on her. How does it go when everybody loves Landolin? And this, this, this got, this, this is, this concept happened very recently with, was it with Landolin or was it with someone else? I think it was somebody else. Oh, it was with like exactly. Sonic and Tangle or Amy? I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, most of what the shipping questions have devolved into is the same question, but they switch the character. But oh, uh, right, right, right. Barry from the Murder Barry, of Sonic. Yeah, the player character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you give the people what they want. So, Landlin, uh, initially, she's just kind of happy that she's finally getting the attention and recognition that she kind of wanted. People <laughs> uh-huh. are taking her seriously. They're listening to her ideas and, you know, attending meetings on time. And actually, there's more people at this meeting than she prepared for. None of these people are on staff. Why are they all here? Why are they standing in the hallway? <laughs> Why are they, like, waiting for her at the food court? What the hell is going on? <laughs> and it gets increasingly creepy, and she becomes increasingly distressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. She's like, no, this is no good. This do, does not, do not want. <laughs> she she seems to have zero interest in, like, romantic <laughs> anything. She's very business-oriented. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's always stressed out, though, to be fair. That's what I said. She's very business-oriented. <laughs> yes, yes. You'd think it would be Jewel who would be super stressed out all the time, but no, not nearly as much as Lanolin. When Jules in her element, she's fine. When she gets out of her depth, then she gets a little frazzled. True, true. She likes, she can run the mineral museum, no problem. That's right up her alley. Running the restoration, that's a bit more. Yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Jules, you said gems and stuff you put on a shelf and they stay there. People, not so much. No, no, people people don't stop moving. It's really kind of annoying, actually. They don't shut up and they don't stop moving around and they don't stop doing stuff they shouldn't be doing tangle here's one from sonic patch i'm still on my quest to become financially literate as i try to start running my own business which includes writing my own series one aspect that can help one save money in the long run is keeping one's legalities in check 
You have your own IP, right? Dragoon, was it? Claus McGee 2. Have you, as a creator, filed any sort of copyright or trademark claims to protect your ownership of your characters or stories? Or do we, as independent creators, not have to worry about such things? Should we ever? How does this work? Okay, number one, do not take anything I say as, like, actual solid legal device. And number two, don't take anything I say as, like, generally good life advice because i'm barely making this work as it is man (laughs) it's blind leading the blind at this point my understanding at least for north american copyright law is once something is published whether physically or digitally it is by default copywritten by the creator yes so by virtue of putting claus mcgee and drogoon out there they are mine now it would behoove me at some point to go through the paperwork and pay the processing fee to have it like written down in like proper legal sense. So that if someone were to make their own series and call it like Drogoonies <laughs> off, I would have something a little sturdier to go to court with and say, they stole my concept. But, and again, this is my understanding of it. I could be very wrong because it has been published as it is. I still have claim to it already. So all of you out there just waiting to pounce on Drogoonies, don't. I've already beat you to the punch, I think. Yes, yes. But you just, you just... please, please do your own research on this and become better educated because I am, I, I'm not sure I've got that right. It's the Drogoonies, like the movie, Drogoon, the, the, the Drogoonies. Yes, I would, I would pay good money for that. Make it happen, Ian. There's your parody. All right, here's one from Stephen A. Okay, Ian and Kyle, what's your pitch of a Silver Age-style Batman story? Note, gotta be silly, stupid, it may involve sentient gorillas, or the subtitle of Batman Dies in This Issue. Well, obviously Batman dies in this issue to gorillas. (laughs) To the gorillas. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I can see Murdoch taking a shot at Batman, not gonna lie. (laughs) The band, yes, the band. (laughs) Why? I don't know. <laughs> why, why is it the gorillas? I don't know. Why are they there? Who knows? <laughs> Only pummeling primates, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> the gorillas decide that because their music career hasn't gone where they wanted to, they become organized crime. And Batman cannot thwart them because of reasons. And therefore, to defeat the gorillas, he must be a gorilla. And thus he flies to the lost continent of Gorilla and takes the magic gorilla serum to become Bat Gorilla. And that gives him the edge to not only defeat the band gorillas, but also fix their career so they become, you know, top charting artists again. Okay, good. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. And moving on from that bit of nonsense to this bit of nonsense, Stone Cold Steve Austin with Sonic's haircut asks... Through some kind of extra-dimensional nonsense or another, Tangle has temporarily swapped places with Hyrule's biggest weirdo, the legendary Tangle. How does the restoration deal with being stuck with this guy for an indeterminate amount of time? Will Tangle finally find a fairy? How much coffee is Lanolin going to need to survive this? Are we going to get a Tangle and Whisper miniseries? <laughs> Please. Please. These are my magic words. Please don't steal them. We won't. Just please stop. Tangle. <laughs> Look, we know you mean well. The maps you've drawn are actually you know, a great resource. We do appreciate that. But 
Stop wiggling your ass in our faces. Come on, man. <laughs> but Ian, we need tingle and whisper. <laughs> tingle and I don't think she can stand it. I don't think she can handle it. <laughs> the earnest desire to help only goes so far. At least Tangle's cute when she does it. I guess. I guess. <laughs> and there's been... To be fair, there have been multiple interpretations of Tingle throughout the ages. I know this, but I mean, he's always just a little weird. They're all roughly about the same, though. Like, <laughs> well, I would, I would argue Majora's Mask Tingle is a little more sad and sympathetic, okay. whereas Wind Waker's is a monster. <laughs> he's a literal slave driver. Okay, that's that's the worst of them. Wow. Okay. Fine. <laughs> and i say all this with love because i freaking adore tingle he yes. is hilarious he, he is the non sequitur to end all non sequiturs and he's the he's great goofiest goofball and i do love him he's so like when so he was dumb. added to hyrule warriors Aliyah's reaction was oh no and i'm going oh yeah <laughs> i'm like oh man this is gonna be so dumb and i'm gonna it's gonna be hilarious uh, and the noises he makes in Hyrule Warriors. It's like, dear God, dude, please. Just his running animation. I know. I know. <laughs> um, Tingle and Whisper is the story of Whisper finding a way to send Tingle back. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you got to go back. And she opens a magical portal and Whisper's on the other side, having found Link's <clears throat> outfit somehow. Don't ask where Link is. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I figured out the the good news is you can send Tingle home. He can come home. That's great. Bad news is I'm kind of stuck in Hyrule because of magical reasons. So take care of yourself. And Whisper just kind of hurls Tingle through, jumps through the portal yourself. It's like, we live in Hyrule now. Yeah. <laughs> but now she's like, like, oh, and now I have two friends. And Whisper's like, no. I was going to say, now they're stuck. <laughs> stuck with Tingle. <laughs> Tingle, tangle, so that's and when whisper. she loads Tingle into the variable wisp on, shoots him like a rocket towards the horizon. <laughs> Kululimpa! <laughs> Tangle's like, huh, he's funny. Anyway, you want to go see some singing frogs? And Whisper's like, yes, let's go see the singing frogs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> there he goes. Also, I found this cool ocarina. You want to hear it? Just one thing at a time. Okay, cool. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh adorable beautiful i'm glad although it is kind of funny to think like tangle's just stuck in a balloon that just keeps going up it's like hello <laughs> anybody hell anybody anybody there Can anybody get me down hello <laughs> she's just floating away there she goes <laughs> all right superior pizza has a question I present Ian a scene, a once lively city now left in a desolate, destroyed state from a recent battle. The dust clears after a clash between two powerful individuals. On w one end, there's the big bad of the story. On the other end, there is Mr. Flynn. You've reached the climax of this battle. It's time for you to unleash your final attack, Ian. But as you prepare to do so, you have a chance to say one line to this adversary. For this is your hero moment where you defeat the bad guy once and for all. There are... So many options. So I'm going to leave it to everyone in the comments below to vote on your favorite. Either A, limit 
I got your limit right here. <laughs> B. United States of Smash. <laughs> C. I said no pickles. <laughs> or D. Kululimpa. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> uh, some other suggestions include your Ian for a world of pain. Oh, <laughs> that is a revolting pun. That's option E. <laughs> oh, man. It's uh, <laughs> a good one. What about a hashtag knowing smile? <laughs> Uh, that's for a different scenario that's where the city's been ruined i'm lying a crumpled mess on the ground the villain approaches okay and says did you truly think you could defeat me and with my last amps of strength i look up and go hashtag knowing smile and that's when the lasers just (laughs) a big old hashtag that's right dang right (laughs) oh man somebody call up studio trigger make this happen let's do it let's do it (laughs) Uh, let's move on to this next question here from testing how has the team dealt with the fallout of issue 64 of idw sonic at least tell us your opinion on how you feel the way the story the issue was written number one keep reading because the story's not done yet Mm-hmm. There's still story to be told. It's it is a plot point that is yet to be resolved. Number two, absolutely not, because I know how this show goes. Mm-hmm. I know how people don't listen to what I actually say on this show. So out of respect for Evan, I'm just going to let her do her thing without weighing in on it and having my words misconstrued and people trying to bake up some kind of writer versus writer nonsense. Give her her own time on the book to shine. And then once I'm like 80 years old and I don't care anymore, then I'll weigh in on it. Yeah. People are asking what the problem is with issue 64. It's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. I don't actually know. (laughs) Either way, wait until you see issue 69. Kyle, we we had a whole talk during the break. Behave yourself. No. Here's one from the... (laughs) Here's one from that Kerbo dude. I was thinking about creating a Sonic team-based fighting game where the character teams are based on different Sonic continuities. With that being said, what three characters would you choose to be represent the Archie, uh, Fleetway, and IDW teams? Uh, Sally Bunny Antoine. Is this assuming that there is no, uh, that is not Sonic? You don't have to have Sonic on the team. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do these particular titles <clears throat> for publishers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Sally Bunny Antoine... Tangle Whisper, hmm. Lanolin. 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 Do it. Just because I think the uh, Bell Wispon would make for a cooler set of moves than necessarily Jewel. You'd have to work a lot to bring Jewel up. Jewel's not a fighter. She no. should be. Lanolin. No. Lanolin can mix it up if she wants to. And Fleetway, gosh, it's been a while, but uh, Techno, uh, Short Fuse, and Captain Plunder. There you go. <laughs> Sound like good teams to me. I'd play them. All right. Here's one from the Oddly Roger. 
Uncle Chuck decides that an AI-generated commercial for his chili dog stand is just the thing to bring in more business. He asks Nicole to put one together. How does it go? How well does Nicole work with the prompt she's given? Would this just be a lost off-panel strip? I could see it working as an off-panel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use AI to make this ad. Uncle Chuck, AI ads are unethical. They have no creativity. They can't create anything original. And then Nicole just is sad. Yeah, Nicole is sad because she is the... She is all of those things and also an AI. Rude. How dare they? Poor Nicole. Nicole isn't artificial. Nicole is real in my heart. <laughs> There's one from TikTok. Are the Japanese franchise and the Western franchise of Sonic supposed to be different? I've noticed discrepancies that persist to this day. For instance, while Sonic's personality in the quote-unquote meta era in English had a more cartoony vibe to it, the Japanese script tried to keep his personality mostly the same from previous iterations. I've also noticed that nothing from the Western branch of the franchise seems to ever show up in the games made by Sonic Team nor the Sonic Channel calendars. Almost like Sonic Team does its own thing without regards for what the rest of the franchise does. This dichotomy recently manifested yesterday with the press release of Sonic and Shadow Generations, where the English and Japanese versions describe Shadow's character differently. Should we as Western fans just kind of ignore the stuff written for the Japanese fans of mine? Is that what Sega wants from us? I am not going to weigh into that because one, I don't have a clear picture of it. And two, that's talking about internal business stuff that I have no business sharing publicly. I would say though, not to be hung up on how different regions market things differently. I, I don't know what the ads were in Japanese, but I imagine they were written specifically with the Japanese market in mind, which has different preferences. So that's the best I can do for you. Short answer, marketing. Long answer, marketing. Here's one from Venus. In many previous Bumblecasts, you seem to react with some level of hostility to Kyle's jokes about characters, quote-unquote, having two hands in reference to them being in possible polyamorous relationships. Perhaps I'm overstepping a bit by asking this, but do you have a problem with polyamorous relationships? I understand this question may be a bit heated for this show, but I'm genuinely curious, given you reacted pretty seriously They'll just be missing an attempt at humor there, to be fair. If you'd rather not broach this topic here, then instead choose a new nickname for Kyle and refer to him as that for the rest of the episode, or until you get bored. (laughs) You tempt me with a good time. (laughs) Uh, No, that hostility is, number one, mostly for laughs. Yes. That's me overblowing the reaction to Kyle's levity. And more about a point of let's not talk about overtly sexual subjects on what's meant to be a family show. As I keep coming back to <laughs> yeah. on this show, I uh, personally speaking, if you not you specifically, you, the listener, you, the vague, you, the Royal, you, if someone out there is in a polyamorous relationship where everyone is treated equally, everyone is open and they're on the same page, everything, everyone's consenting, then no, I don't have a problem with it. It's not something I think I would be able to embrace personally just by the nature of who I am. No. But if you are in a relationship like that and it's working for everybody, then good for you. I'm, you know what? I'm here for it. If you're here for it, if someone's doing it, it's all, it's all yours. So it's not for me personally, but I am not going to stop you from being happy. Please be happy. We need all the That's- happiness we can get in this world. <laughs> that's generally my take on it it's as long as everyone is safe and happy and you know treated equally well yeah go for it yep indeed 
And, well, you don't have much time left, Ian, to use a funny nickname you came up for me because we have one last question. It's from Zetamax. What if Chaos and Iblis swapped games? Silver traveling back in time to stop the tides of disaster and Sonic facing a sort of Iblis Zero in Station Square. How do you think the story would change? Do you think Mephilus would it take Shadow's spot in Adventure 2? That is a very good question, Carbuncle. Um... <laughs> Did the Carbuncle eat itself? No. <laughs> I'm calling you Carbuncle. Oh. That's the funny nickname. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to eat myself then. Oh, for the love of it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it would certainly make that first fight a whole lot more difficult in Sonic Adventure's case, because uh, it's not just water that Sonic's bouncing into. It's burning flame. He doesn't have a tradition of being able to just hit burning flame. Also, that brings a bunch of questions to, like, the Ancients and the Chow, like... Are you taking care of a bunch of little matchstick babies? Or are they all just like pleasantly warm magma goo? <laughs> when they snuggle the animals, do they cook them? I, I oh, worrisome, worrisome. Although envisioning what a Iblis zero, two, four, six perfect would look like. That's uh, pretty cool. That's uh, pretty spiffy. <laughs> It would be pretty cool. Ooh, and then you would have Silver's Ruined Timeline that's just like a perpetual storm where it's all moody and dark and rainy. You've got like these building-sized waves just cresting every so often, and you never know when one of them's going to gain a face. You never know. It's true. <laughs> Visually, it'd be kind of neat, but yeah, Sonic would be screwed with Iblis Zero because you can't touch him. He's on fire. Yes, that's the flooded timeline. All right, that's it for this edition of the Bumblecast. Thank you again to all our patrons over at patreon.com slash bumblecast, ko-fi.com slash bumblecast, and our YouTube members for supporting the show with their questions and their funds. Be good to yourselves, be good to each other, and we will see you next time on the Bumblecast. I swear I can say the word Bumblecast. I swear. I can't, apparently. <laughs> I said, that's it you for this. Bumblecast. That's it for this edition of the Bumblecast. Yeah, it's like really like the Bumblecast. I really screwed up. Constantly turned into a trumpet. Apparently. Brumbercast. Brumbercast. That or a lawnmower that's not starting. Brumbercast. Brumbercast. All right, we're done. Listen to the Grumblecast. I'm still on my quest to become a. I'm still on my. I can speak, I swear. Just kidding. You've been listening to The Bumblecast, a co-production of Bumble King Comics and the KNGI Network. Original theme music composed by Ken Coda Snyder. Remixed intro by T-Lopes. Find out more information, along with podcast feeder links, MP3 downloads, and more at bumbleking.com and kngi.org. Okay, I'm, I'm, I need to take Kyle aside here and have a nice long talk with him. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more on the Bumblecast. Get over here. <laughs> 69 is just the number between 68 and 70. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Why am I being what the hell?
That's not the worst thing I've said on this show. Far from it. (laughs) It's not even the worst thing Ian said on this show, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) We're going to court, Ian. Bumble court. (laughs) Throw the book at us. Yeah, yeah. All right. Ready to get back to it? Yes, let's go.